You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking about Christmas hymnody with Benjamin Kologi, member of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas, professional church organist and composer, and a contributor to the Lutheran service book, Hymnal Companion. Thanks for joining us for this, Benjamin. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So on to our next hymn which I believe this is one of my favorites, Lutheran Service Book 372, O Jesus Christ, Thy Manger Is. What stories do you have to tell us about this hymn? I'm glad to hear it's one of your favorites because I, I really think it needs to gain some traction. I yes. really like for people to sing it and get to know it. And hopefully I can convey something about how great this hymn is. Because it's it's not your quintessential Christmas carol that someone off the street is going to going to recognize as a Christmas carol, but it can reap great spiritual rewards if we just think about it. Um, and we know from our, from the, from the information provided in the hymnal that it comes from Paul Gerhardt. Paul Gerhardt, of course, he lived in the mid 17th century and really his life was characterized with great suffering, both professionally and personally, a largely consequence of the 30 years of war, which was really just devastating for continental Europe. But even in the midst of this, Gerhardt was able to pen such great hymns, um, Awake My Soul with Gladness, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Force, Now Rest Beneath Night Shadows, and O Sacred Head Now Wounded, which is actually a translation he worked with existing hymn. So whether we appreciate it or not, Gerhardt really is an important part of our hymn singing tradition, and that includes Christmas carols. And this hymn was originally one of those long 15 stanza hymns. It was published in 1653. But as it stands in the hymnals, hymnal now, it's six stanzas divided into two general sections. And the first three stanzas, they address Christ. When you look at those first few lines, O Jesus Christ, thy manger is my paradise, at which my soul reclineth. For there, O Lord, doth lie the word made flesh for us, herein thy grace forth shineth. Now the hymnal in which this hymn was first published gave the heading for the hymn, which hymnals did at the time. It wasn't just a title, it was a heading. It was called The Word Became Flesh. And we really see this in the first stanza, where we internalize those first verses of John's gospel, of course, the famous words that tell us the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So we're resting then at the manger, which is our paradise, which is ironic considering the historical and practical nature of farm equipment that Jesus was born in you know, to a paradise and reality. But in this case, of course, it's God who becomes in flesh who provides us salvation and true paradise. And so we continue singing of Christ's power. He whom the sea and wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. Thou, God's own son, with us art one. Thus join us and our children in our weakness. So, I don't know. I remember here, maybe Matthew 8, the account of Christ stilling the waves, and yet he's profoundly manifesting his power to his disciples. This is uh, the incarnation of a time, is that time where he takes on flesh and relinquishes this power for a bit and joining us in our weakness, which contrasts with his miracles later. But of course, in the third stanza, we pray, thy light and grace are guilt to face, thy heavenly riches all are lost retrieving. Emmanuel, thy birth doth quell the power of hell and Satan's bull deceiving. Well, here Christ takes on our sin for himself and makes that great exchange, replacing our guilt with this heavenly riches. 
And here, Gerhard interestingly inserts this word Emmanuel, God with us. It reminds us the whole point of the incarnation. And this section of the hymn ends as Christ's quiet birth ironically quells the power of hell and Satan's bold deceiving. I really love imagery there. And so at stanza four, Gerhard shifts the perspective from an address to Christ, one of which we address our own heart. And here is kind of where it's good to remember what Gerhard did for Lutheran hymnody. He really was known for his personalizing of hymn text. And one way he did that was by making hymn text often in the first person. And it's, it's not evident when he wrote this hymn yet, but we see it elsewhere. For example, think, the world in slumber lies, but you, my heart, awaking and prayer and music making. Or his Easter hymn, awake my heart with gladness. In German, it's auf, auf mein Herr. And later in the same hymn, he writes, now I am safe from evil and sin I laugh to scorn. Grim death with all its might cannot my soul affright. So Luther and the hymnists of the Reformation had tried to kind of steer clear the first person, with some exceptions, like from heaven above to earth I come, which is quoting an angel, of course. But Gerhard popularized this. So returning to the hymn in question, um, we don't see yet any first person, but we see how Gerhard really is concerned with a certain heartfelt emotion. And perhaps it's reminiscent of the Psalms. You certainly see that in the Psalms. And I wouldn't call this a certain, a sappy emotionalism. It's not emotion for its own sake, which sort of wallows in on itself, but it's an emotion born as a response to the objective knowledge of God's saving grace and his word since scripture, in this case, Christ's birth. So continuing, we, we now turn to our own heart, even as we address thou Christian heart, whoever thou art, be of good cheer and let no sorrow move thee. For God's own child in mercy mild joins thee to him, how greatly God must love thee. And so here we sing about how God's incarnate child allows us to commune with God the Father. And I think maybe of Romans 6, 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we'll also certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And of course, I think this stands also remember, allows us to remember our baptism in which we're taken into Christ's family. And we continue, still addressing our own hearts. Remember thou what glory now the Lord prepared thee for all earthly sadness. The angel host can never boast of great glory, greater bliss, or gladness. And I think this is a really evocative verse. We're reminded of our earthly sadness, but immediately Gerhardt proclaims, and at the same time we can boast in this greater bliss and gladness that even the angels in heaven can proclaim. And I think here there's a uniquely ex a Lutheran expression of the theology of the cross. I think of Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Gerhardt uh, had to deal with all manner of, of suffering himself, yet he could boast in this, this birth and death and resurrection of Christ. And the final stand, of course, concludes kind of by mocking the world. It's kind of interesting. The world may hold her wealth and gold, but thou, my heart, keep Christ as thy true treasure. To him hold fast until at last a crown be thine and honor in full measure. And this really is quoting straight from Jesus in Revelation 3.11. He says, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. 
So this hymn has taken us from a reminder of the entire purpose of Christ's incarnation to save sinners, which of course should be our prime concern, and even more so as the last day approaches. It takes us to the escapon, the end time. And just to conclude, I just to the benefit of of who's might be singing this, um, look how the text is aligned on the page and at 372. You'll notice particularly five and six because they're not printed under the music. You notice that Tart writes in these short phrases, remember thou, what glory now, the angel host can never boast. This is the stanza, these, these six lines per stanza on the page, but four are really short expressions and two are longer interjections. And you see too the meter, you can tell information on the meter of the, of the, hymn, the hymn page there, the number of syllables per line, it's really unusual. It's four, four, 11 D, which means doubles. Um, and I looked in the back of the hymnal and this is the only text which uses this meter. And I, I think that Gerhardt was really strategic in wanting these short phrases that really give great impact and memorability. They really have the ability to reach our hearts without getting, having a lot of excess words. And I think we should also point out that this tune was written by a living composer. Not all composers are dead, fortunately. Kenneth Koshy, he many years taught at Concordia, Wisconsin, but I know he's living a happy life in retirement in Montana where he's still composing profusely. And I think that his, his tune really matches Gerhardt's uh, text. And I really hope that this is a Christmas carol that can become better known. I appreciate how, as you pointed out, the, the text takes us through so much more than just the, the Christmas, just the incarnation, but really through the whole church year. Thank you so much for spending this time with us in these great Christmas hymns, Benjamin. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>